John 15, 1 through 10. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that bears no fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes or purges it, that it may be, bear more fruit. You already are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I also will remain in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine. Neither can you unless you remain in me. He says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. Look at this. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We pray that you would have your way tonight, oh God. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for what you're doing. And we just love you, God. We pray for your holy unction, God, your anointing. It makes the difference, Father. Jesus' name, amen. So tonight I want to talk to you about John 15. And when we, I, I think some of the college and career on Wednesday night have noticed that the only topic that I've been preaching on for the last three weeks is prayer. And I'm going to preach on prayer until our church as a whole catches the prayer bug. Keep verse 5 up. Um, that might have been my phone. Um, you might want to mute it. It's, but... As I was thinking about prayer, most of us, when we read John 15, we focus on the fruit. Listen to me. We focus on the fruit, that we should have fruit. And listen, the, Jesus focuses on the fruit some, but what we miss is the part where he says, if you remain in me, if you're in me, like there has to be something, you cannot visit me, you have to remain in me. There has to be a permanent connection for the fruit because that would be like going to water your garden when you felt like it. That's how most people treat their Christianity. They water their, their Christianity, they, get, they visit Jesus when they feel like it. Listen to me. This church will not grow. It will not grow in the way that God wants it to until all of us take prayer seriously. If we don't take it seriously, then we need to say, God, there's something wrong with my walk because prayer is the foundation. Everything I'm reading, everything I'm craving, I want God to change me. I do not want to be known as a preacher. I want to be known as a prayer. I want to be where I'm in Him, and the fruit from being with Him is obvious in my life. It should scare us all in some ways. When if Jesus came to you and said, show me your fruit for the kingdom. And you showed Him your attendance card. He's not impressed. You show Him, well, I've done this, Lord. I've done that, Lord. No, 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 no. That's the part of church that if you don't have the abide with him, if you don't stay with him, you become so churched and lukewarm that you deceive yourself. You you somehow translate church attendance and doing for God like being with God. Listen to me. I know what I'm talking about. About a month ago, God showed up to me and reminded me that the reason that this church is not growing the way he wants it to grow is the way it grew the first time is the way it's going to grow this time. It's because we took prayer seriously. And all that other stuff comes. When you're meeting with him in prayer, you love his house. When you meet with him in prayer, you want to do stuff for him and his people and you want to see new outreaches and growth because if you get in him, there's no way for fruit not to come from your relationship. Amen. And then he keeps going. Let's read through verse 10, JT. If a man does not remain in me, he is thrown out as a branch and withers. Right there. You want to know why you're dry? You want to know why I'm dry? Right there. When you disconnect He's like, hey, you don't understand. I'm the vine. Everything that you need spiritually, that's why verse 5, he finished 
Without me, you cannot do anything. And if we're not careful in church, we will run the church like a business and there will be decisions made that have not been prayed about. We make the obvious decision with our mind. Well, maybe you can be a teacher or maybe you can be a singer or maybe you should do this or maybe we should spend money here and there's not, hey God, what's your plan? It's not the vision of the pastor. Listen, CEO America has come into the church. What's your vision, pastor? I don't have a vision. My vision is his vision. It's his church. It's his vision. My job is to stay with him and get it. How stupid and foolish would it be if they went to Peter when he was in Capernaum and they said, hey, Peter, uh, when when do you guys think y'all gonna leave? Uh, whenever he moves, I'll move. I have no idea how long I'm in Capernaum. It's not my life anymore. It's his. We're going to move when he says move. When he says I need to go through Samaria, we're going to go through Samaria. Not a day before and not a day after. We're going to move when he moves. And in church, I'm guilty. I'm telling you, I went through a year of I got around the wrong people. I'll just tell you. And they were believers. Listen to me. They were Christians. They loved God. But they, let, they bought into just enough of the CEO mentality that if you do everything right and you do all this and you, met, you put the obvious. I heard a guy say the other day, every, these pastors brag on their staff members how sharp they are. And they haven't prayed about them, but their resume looks good. And he says, you better be careful with those sharp staff members because they'll stab you. And you could have heard a pin drop by all those Assembly of God preachers from the state of Alabama. Because that's what we've turned it into. Amen. You know, I'm guilty. When God came and showed me this, see this message right here, I'm not going to stop preaching on prayer. He might even stop having me, but I'm not going to stop doing it. Because if we don't realize where we're missing, the first church, everybody in, in the church preach, does the same thing. We talk about the fellowship and breaking of bread. We need more things to do. We need more things to do. Listen, you know why you're doing that? Because the members are dried up and they're burned out and they're looking for something to fill the gap that they don't have and should have with Jesus Christ. But it doesn't just say they broke bread together daily. They broke bread together with prayers. Yeah, your fellowship with the believers are great. But if there's no prayer behind it, if you're, all we're doing is talking about, well, we should have this and, well, we should be doing this. Listen, who cares what you think about this church? It's about you shutting your trap and getting along with the Lord and saying, speak, Lord, your servant hears. What is the overall game? Amen. I got more amens than I thought I would. Because, see, when you're not praying, you've got opinions. You feel entitled. I've never seen in my life a generation of entitlement. Well, pastor asked me to preach once. I guess I should preach every time. That's insanity. My preacher passed me to preach, Brother Craig, one time, the whole time I was under him. I never even expected to preach a second time. I was thankful that he let me preach. I was thankful for the privilege. Nowadays, church members, if you don't ask them to pray at the offering, or if you don't ask them to do this, they are so offended and entitled. It tells me they're not with Jesus. Because people that were with Jesus are thinking about the fruit, and that fruit is people. Amen. You've got a whole generation of entitled people walking into the church. And you know what the mega churches are doing? Come, we'll find you something to do. And they're doing all this stuff. And we're on the serve team and we go cut 40 yards and you're going to bust hell wide open if you don't know him. God's not in the lawn business. He's in the people business. Don't, don't cut their lawn for them. My goodness, if, that, if he leads you too fine. But man, talk to them about the one that can change their mentality and change their life and change their future. Now listen, I walked up in here not feeling well, but I feel good now, and I don't even care if this ain't popular. The Word of God is for correction. So the Lord talked to me about a month ago and said, you have a whole lot of opinions. 
And you know what I had to say? I could get mad and walk away or I could say, change me. I don't want any more opinions, Lord. I'm tired of brainstorming. I want to be close to you. And Lord, as I get close to you, then I I know what you want to do. Man, I've probably dealt this man fits. There's no telling. Staying after him on what all we should do. I have. I talked about burning all the flowers and trying to quit. I talked about lights. I talked about all this. All this stuff. As people all around us, there's an epidemic of heroin in our city. And I'm talking about flowers. That's how sin will do you. That's how church... I'm ashamed before God. When he talked to me, I was so ashamed. But he don't make us feel condemned. He shows us because he loves us. If you're in here tonight and you're not praying, he hasn't brought me by tonight to let you feel condemned. He's brought you by tonight to let you feel encouraged that all you got to do is just turn your eyes back to him. All you got to do is say, without me, don't you think the disciples, when he said you got to bear fruit, you got to be connected all the time to me. They were human. They were probably doing what I would have done sitting there. That's probably not going to happen. I'm going to need a lot of help with that. Don't you feel that way? Pray without ceasing. First Thessalonians. Well, do you not read that and be like, okay, you might as well ask me to jump over the building. That's where the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's for another lesson. But he knew they were feeling like, whoa, I can't stay connected like that. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can. Because without me, you can do anything anyway. But with me, all things are possible. You can pray. It's the Spirit of God. Have you noticed that this morning and Caleb through the week talked about the baptism of the Holy Ghost? You know what most people that can't pray need? The Holy Ghost. I'm not talking about I spoke in tongues at youth camp three years ago. I'm talking about a power that is, he said it this morning, the greatest power. He didn't just say on earth, he said the universe. And I was like, yes, the Holy Spirit is the greatest power in the universe. And we can know you not that the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. And we can't pray. I'll tell you what you can't do, James. You can't bash your brothers and you can't bash everything you don't like and then start being sweet and pray. Because salt water can't flow from fresh water. Man, James is so tough, y'all. I read James today and I was like, Lord. What can be done? Seriously, think about all these great scriptures. Keep yourself in the love of God. How do you keep yourself in the love of God without prayer? I'm serious. We, we quote all these scriptures that we should be doing, but we don't follow it. You cannot live the scriptures without him, and you can't be with him without prayer. I mean, you could embarrass all of us, all of us, right now, by saying, write down on a piece of paper, not your name, how much every day that you talk to the Lord. Now, some of you is high because you're in trouble. Are your family members in trouble? Or something ain't going your way? You got a high prayer, prayer request. Some of you, things are pretty sweet. Your prayer request, you know, thank you, Lord, and it's casual. This is not a casual walk. The, the early church, when you look and read, listen, if you just read your Bible without prayer, it doesn't, it doesn't match. I don't know how I'm trying to say it, But it's when I begin to pray and talk to the Lord about the scriptures, that's when the scriptures begin to come alive. That's when the fruit of the scripture becomes to swell up in our heart. You have to have both. Don't get me wrong. I'm not just all focused on prayer. But listen, the word of God, I know people that can quote chapters and verse, and they're in all these denominations that don't believe in the Holy Spirit. They can quote, listen, every Jewish person alive can quote the Pentateuch right now. That's the first five books of the Old Testament. They can quote it by the age of 16 they're required to know it they can quote it but it's not alive when the word becomes alive is when we're with him in prayer and he begins to show us like this that hey america is focusing on the fruit 
the cars and the blessing. We serve the Lord because you can get a wife in church. You can get a life in church. You can get all this stuff that's fruit of the spillover of Jesus, but they don't want the Jesus. We want the fruit, Lord, but we need to bypass you somehow. Our, di- our, our district youth service, youth, they've heard from me, I'm angry. We had CO2 guns squirting out in the audience during worship. We, had, we gave them wristbands and necklaces that glowed in the dark that were synced synced with the music. So it was lighting up to the beat of the music. And boy, they were proud of the crowd they had. And I thought, God, how in that do you speak to them like you spoke to me when I was 12 and let me know you've called me? How? When I'm getting hit in the face with a CO2 cannon, with hose pot, it's foolishness. And they're so proud. We had thousands show up. Yeah, they showed up and you didn't even make Jesus the centerpiece. You never even gave them the gospel. You know what? They went home thinking, man, this is the coolest, hippest place in town. No freedom. Same bondage. You don't have to work this thing up if the members and the ministers and everybody together gets a prayer life going. It's when, when we're in sync with the Lord and praying like we should, I say A, and Brother Doug says man. And all this, I say halla, and Wayne says hallelujah. And all of a sudden, we hadn't even been talking that much because our busy week, but we've been talking to the one that matters. And all of a sudden, we're step by step working for something. And listen, I'll tell you, you can attack people in prayer spiritually and declare war on the enemy that holds them down. You could be walking around your house brushing your teeth and the Holy Spirit come and say, there you you need to target this person. They are in bondage. You walk into church, say, I had so-and-so in my heart. Somebody else said, Brother Dupree, yeah, me too. That's because there's power. The devil will let you be so busy with everything but prayer. You know, you know, Papa talks about Caleb Gordon hearing from God. I'm thankful that I know him on a really personal level. When he goes to prayer... He doesn't bring his phone. He doesn't even listen to music. It's him and the Lord. I was thinking about Samuel. And there's Eli. The Lord woke me up last week and just said to me, Eli and Samuel. I was like, what, Lord? Eli. He didn't have an open heaven. He would not deal with sin. Come on. He kept the priestly duties going. He was offering the sacrifices. Like for us, he was coming to church. He was saying amen. You can't listen to that song Waymaker and not say amen. I bet you sinners will say amen to that one. Because they recognize how powerful God is. He don't care if you say amen. But then Samuel had a voice because he heard from God. Go look in 1 Samuel how many times the people ran to Samuel. Hey, go inquire of God for us. Why? Because as a boy, Eli perceived, he kept saying, Eli, what are you calling me for? And Eli finally the third time says, no, no, no. Next time just stop and say, speak, Lord. Your servant hears. Listen to me, church. We must get there. You can be an Eli if you want to. You can come to church. You can look the part. Why? Why? Read how Eli died. He got so fat, he fell off the back of a thing. It's so true. He became lazy. Paul said the Old Testament is a schoolmaster to the New Testament. It's going to teach us something. You can sit on that pew and become so lazy and spiritually fat that you fall off and they say, Ichabod, the presence of the Lord had departed. 
Or you can be Samuel and you say, Lord, I need you to speak because I'm listening. I, I need a word from you. Not so I can go give a word. Listen to me. I, I do not like strange fire. And if you know me, you know I don't like it. I'm just being honest with you. I've heard the quote about real fire. You're always going to get strange fire. That's garbage. Because what f- fake fire does is it discourages all the people that are trying to get fire because they can't figure out what's going on. I don't like it. That's what the devil will do. I got friends right now that won't come to Pentecostal churches because Pentecostal people were strange fire. They acted in a way that the Holy Spirit wasn't leading them. If you get up in this service in any way, shape, or form, you better have your ear to God. You better not give us some man-made thought. I don't want to hear a rehash of the sermon. I want to hear from God. That's what the gift of tongues and interpretation does. It lets us hear from God. It's a sign to the unbeliever because when the living God speaks to his church, everybody knows it's God. You don't have to wonder or be confused. Thank God we have shepherds for that reason to protect from strange fire. Don't get that in your vocabulary. Well, we can have the fire and I know there's going to be some strange, but at least we got the fire. Garbage. That's garbage. We can have the fire and have the real fire and it'll really be on fire. And God really will speak. Listen, I'm telling you, if you don't read and study and seek, you don't even understand 20 years ago, not like a decade ago, just 20 years ago or a century ago or nothing, 20 years, you would walk up for prayer. And I know I messed that all up, so don't, don't think I don't understand what I just said wrong. <laughs> I knew he was going to tell me. <laughs> I know my times. They'd walk up. Nowadays, what I try to do in the altar is say, what are you praying about? And the Lord let me know. When you're with me, you don't have to ask that. Ask him. They'd walk up and they'd say, you're praying because you've got a pain in your back. You don't think faith lights up then? Nobody told them. Wayne, you and Doug, y'all know. You've been in this thing. But now we're so carnal. And we try to get our fruit and our power. It's almost like we're asking forgiveness for not praying as we come up to pray for people. Lord, we know we haven't been with you this week, but I need you to move. And listen, he does so many times. His mercies are so great. I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm just trying to tell you that if we don't realize what the real fire looks like, we will settle for this fake, synthetic stuff. Man, I've heard messages and tongues come out that nobody moved. Because God was in the house. Well, that'll confuse people. No, 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 no. When the creature gets around the creator, they don't get weirded out. They understand, man, there's something there. So here's what we do. We hear messages like this, and we put all the responsibility on the pastor. It does not say that he's gonna, you're going to wither and die if you don't have fruit as a minister. It's every believer. If you haven't wept for the lost in a while, you're drying up. Come on. Thank you, Brother Doug. I read a quote the other day. If heaven's not moving in our services, it's because we don't desire it. Amen. Y'all just going to get with me because all of a sudden that pain is completely gone and I'm happy, happy, happy. <laughs> Listen, don't, don't let yourself off the hook. I didn't preach on prayer for a while until I all of a sudden put myself on the hook and held myself responsible. He said, well, you didn't pray. No, 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 I prayed. Sure, but if you looked at my prayer life... 50% of it at least was to hear a word from God to help the people. That's not what he wants. I told them last Wednesday night, I could care less when I walk in this pulpit. If I've been with him, it will be obvious. Amen. Because he will be here. Amen. 
So ask yourself this. Tonight, I didn't even got to my second scripture, so get comfortable. Tonight, did you desire anything from this service? From God? Let me tell you another little trick that happened to me. We're just going to be honest. I like sharing. Because I found out the more I confess my weakness to people, the more people can relate to it. See, I grew up with a youth pastor that I thought he walked on water with Jesus, and he never did any wrong. And it really discouraged me a lot. So I'm kind of probably the other way. But let me tell you what else happens to you. You begin to pray again. God begins to use you. You get this... The devil says, oh, this is good. So you, you think you're starting to climb up because I thought he says without me you can do nothing. You begin to climb up that spiritual ladder and you begin to look down and say, what's wrong with y'all? And guess what you just did? You did a cheat code over here and you just slid way past all of y'all. You back to zero, start over because that pride right there will kill you. It's always been him. Without him, you can't do nothing. When you're praying and you're seeking God in these great times, let me tell you something. You better be thankful for the ability because it's coming from him. Right. I've seen it. You get in church and all of a sudden people start getting a blessing. And they start climbing towards Jesus. And instead of keeping their eyes on the prize, and so they turn around and be like, now let me counsel you guys how to get up here. Because all of a sudden, I've got some secret formula. Happens. They don't say it that way. It's in their heart. I know where I am. You know, if people just obey God, we'd have church. Hmm. Your attitude just killed it. Forget people obeying God. He will not pour fresh wine in that old skin. It'll bust you and you'll think you're right. Because see, what I found out is the closer you get to Jesus, the more compassionate you are on others' failures. I know this ain't popular. I like it. I can feel the kickback from it. That means you're right there where you need to be. When you get close to Christ, you're not looking back at everybody thinking man I wish they would catch fire you're praying Lord as you did it in me do it in them let's get together right how did the Holy Ghost come the first time a prayer meeting they were all in one mind and one accord and it wasn't a Honda they were together in prayer I see conferences where they try to bring a guy in and get the church unified by some speaker. I can't unite his church. It's his church. I have enough trouble keeping me walking right. How in the world am I going to try to get anybody else walking right? Man, I listened to some of my old messages when I was younger. God, so hard. I'm embarrassed sometimes. How I looked at people. thought, wow, that's real spiritual. Smash them over the head with the Bible. Every time you preach, you can pick, I can pick scriptures right now and condemn everybody in here. We ain't even close to the real blueprint. I could start quoting them right now. Love your enemy. Ready? How do you do that without prayer? Right? If you want to love your enemy, you got to pray. You got to pray for your enemy. Listen. The same way that the, the Lord has this way of giving you a love in prayer, it's his love. It's the way that we were enemies of the cross, and he comes after us. Amen? I, I just want to read one more scripture. I feel like I'm belaboring the point. Are you guys cool with this? Are we good? We went from Caleb to Papa, and now I'm like, man, Lord. I don't, Look at James, JT. And I want to close, and I want to believe God. I feel his presence. Thank you, Jesus. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Now, once again, I want to talk to you. I almost titled this tonight, 
the wrong point of view. Because in John 15, we focus on the fruit and not the relationship that brings the fruit. Come on. In this set of scriptures, we focus on the sick being healed. Is that all apart? Sure it is. But if you read James 5, most people will tell you that you call for the elders of the church and they lay hands on the sick and they recover. And that is the focal point of it. Look, at, read this with me. Is any one of you tonight suffering? Brother James wrote you the answer. It's not to talk to people about it. It's not to post on Facebook about what you're going through. If you're suffering tonight with anything, whether it be sin or whether it be a family member, you pray. It doesn't even say, let the church come pray. God wants to teach you that you and your prayer, he likes to answer you. So many people depend on ministers. Listen, we have to wake up. Barna just released the new statistics last month. It used to be 1,500 ministers a month quit, the, quit preaching. It's 1,700. The preachers cannot be Jesus to you. We can love you. We're not even shepherds. I don't even like when people call them shepherds because Peter said, we're not shepherds. We're examples of the flock. Now, you can call them angels because they are an angel. And we reverence him as the angel of this church. Read it. We're not even your shepherd. We're examples. We're following the good shepherd. As we follow him, just hang with us. Stay in the crowd. But so many ministers are getting pulled on so hard because people are suffering, and it's real suffering. And James is like, no, 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 don't, you don't have to turn to your minister. Turn to your shepherd, the bishop of your soul, Jesus Christ. And I'm not telling you that there's not numbers and power in prayer. I'm not telling you don't tell me your need. That's what we're here for. You get what I'm saying? But man, how awesome is it if God answers your prayer from your mouth than a collective prayer and you're not real sure who's got to answer. Amen. So then he says, look, is anyone married? Let them sing psalms. After a good service, you ever notice, just like our fire line the other night, you're just in the house, you're just humming. Old songs that come into your heart, and you'll know that's what that saint was going through when they wrote this song. They felt that power and that refreshing and that togetherness. Well, Lucas had a great list tonight. That was a great blend. I thought some of those, man, one day, we're going to walk those streets. Now, let me tell you something that a friend of mine said. Not a friend of mine, but something I watched. This guy. You know how Caleb says preachers have to listen to other preachers kind of to fill up? I was listening to this guy, and he said this. He said, God would not punish some of you and send you to heaven. And I was like, whoa. And he said, because there's no cell phones in heaven. There's no movies in heaven. And if you're down here and you're not attracted to him, for him, why would he punish you and spend eternity with him? And once again, silence filled the audience. I was at work and I thought, I didn't say amen. I said, oh, me. Woo. That was like a rabbit punch in the gut. Yeah, why would God punish us if we're not praying, if we're just showing up here and it's become a social club? Why would he punish us with heaven? Where all of our affections and all of our heart, he preached it today to love the world as enmity between you and God. He's not this reckless love God that just says, now that I love you, do whatever, live whatever. No, you've got to disdain from the world and through prayer. I'm thankful that his love was reckless when it came after me and found me. But once it found me, he says, if you love me, you'll do my commandments. There's now responsibility for us to pray. Amen. Where's the power gone? It's gone because we don't pray. Let me keep reading just real quick. 14. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them do what? Pray. Anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. Let me say this. We assume as preachers sometimes that people understand this. If you came from a different church 
and all of a sudden you see guys go get a bottle of oil, that can be weird. I mean, I think we get so church, we're like, oh, yeah, he's going to go get the oil. Well, most of my friends that aren't serving the Lord, that are casual friends, by the way, they're not my close friends, get the difference. If we broke out the oil, they're probably going to break out the left side door because they don't understand what's going on. Let me tell you what it's a reminder of. And you probably already know this, and that's great. I'm glad you do. This is not for God to move. This is for the minister to remember it's never been about you. The spiritual oil that's about to touch that person called the anointing, is you're not making it happen. You're not working it up. Put that oil in to remind you, and then the person can go away and remember God's very presence is like an oil, and I'm going with him. He cares about my need. So everything God has is practical. So it's got to be taught on. That's why you got to come to church more than Sunday morning. Because a Sunday morning sermon is not geared to take you deeper into God. There's a reason we use oil. I mean, if, if there wasn't, I wouldn't do it. Honestly, I'd be like, that's weird, and we're going to just do the normal way. It's not weird. It's the pattern of God from the Old Testament to the New to symbolize the anointing that breaks the yokes of bondage. So that's why we do that. And then they, who they call on? The name of the Lord, because they know the Lord. I can say Jane in an audience right now, and all y'all know her is Bethany, but she knows my, me and her. When I say Jane, she looks, you watch. There can be 50,000 people at a Barons game, and I can say Jane. And because of our relationship, she cuts in my eyes. She knows I need her. Right? Is that not practical? But how funny would it be if I just called her Beelzebub in the middle? She'd, yeah, I would be. Amen, Dr. K. You know what she'd be doing? She'd keep eating her dipping Dots. Because she'd be like, that's not our name because we don't know each other by that name. Listen, we can come up here and call in the name of the Lord. But if we haven't been with him, the results won't be there. Amen. Amen. Verse 15, look at this. And the prayer, I just want you to see, we focus on the healing and we don't focus on the prayer. A faith will save the sick. Listen, let me tell you this. Every man's been given a measure of faith. And that is a great verse, but you cannot build a doctrine on one verse. You have to build a doctrine on multiple ver- verses. Paul said, the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So there's not, we can't muster up enough of our faith. It was never your faith to begin with. The more you're with him, the more you trust him. And the more you're around him and trust him, the more his faith takes hold of your heart. Amen. Amen. That's the prayer of faith of a person that's been with Jesus. Listen, I was reading about, put that down. I'm going to preach for a second. I was reading A.A. Allen and listening to R.W. Shambach talk about him. And they brought this kid up to him. He had no feet. He was all drawn up. His eyes were completely uh, glassed over. He couldn't see since birth. He couldn't hear. And A.A. Allen called the mom. The mom went and put her last. She came to the night revival three nights. And she put her last $20 in the offer and said, I don't even know how we're getting home. And A.A. Allen, because he was with the Lord, he said, there's a lady here who you've given everything, and tonight's your night. God's going to heal that child. Now, R.W. Shanbach says he's sitting on the stage looking at that child, going, Lord, that child ain't got no feet. That child cannot even function. His limbs are turned. He can't hear. He can't see. He can't speak. And he said, R.W. Shambach said, Lord, Lord, you're going to have to do something. There's thousands of people in here. A.A. Allen didn't do, listen, A.A. Allen in his end of his life, he failed God. He had a moral failure. And he did. Who cares about that? I want to know what he had when he did this. He had a walk with God so strong. He said, oh, God's going to heal her. He didn't go, ah, like I would try to do and dump it all, all over. And just He said, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Because he had been with Jesus. And R.W. Shambach said, all of a sudden, oh, that's the other thing. The guy's tongue, the, the kid's tongue 
was hanging out of his mouth. He couldn't even keep his tongue in his mouth. And he said, all of a sudden, that tongue said, popped right into place. And he said, the next thing you know, those milky eyes, the biggest blue eyes formed. He said, and all of a sudden, we started hearing popping. He said, that church was starting to go crazy. He said, we started hearing popping. And he said, the next thing I know, I'm focused on the kid looking normal. He's got feet. And he runs to his mom, who he's never said mama, and grabs her and says, Mama. Now, all of us would think we had to do something special and crazy and have all the, this stuff going. A.A. Allen knew the Lord, and he walked with the Lord, and he loved the Lord. And he, he knew that his faith was, I know Jesus is the healer. Yes, R.W. Sandbox said it looked like silly putty, how you make things out of silly putty. He said God just made him some feet and made him some eyes and made him a tongue and made him his ears open. He said just like, he's the creator. A lot of people I talk to about church and God healing, people don't even want it. They're like, that's weird. I'm like, no, 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 no. God cares when you're sick. God cares when you're hurt. Amen? No, I got to finish that. I got two more verses, and I promise I'll let you go. I'll try my best. In the middle of this, get ready one more time. Take a deep breath, and we're going to hit this right here and be done. Confess your faults one to another. And what? Pray. In the middle of that. So did he change what he's talking about? I'll show you. We'll go back to 16. But look, pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man accomplishes much. Most of you probably quote it like me in the King James, but it's the same words. I'll check it out. Verse 17. Elijah was a man of such passions. He prayed earnestly that it might not rain. I want to show you something in there. Once again, we focused on the healing, right? James is focusing on the praying. He did not stop. Because you hear that we can have healings like that guy had with A.A. Allen. You you can hear that, and all of a sudden you think, well, that's A.A. Allen. James knows how we feel. Like, whoa, if we're going to see prayer, I mean, yeah, those guys know how to pray. But like us, I'm not real sure that God has the faith in me to lay hands. First of all, the gifts of the Spirit are so important. And we, I know the fruits are probably more important. But the gifts, the working of miracles is a spiritual gift, number one. The closer you get to Him, the more you can flow in it. If it's yours, and I even believe everybody that's filled with the Spirit can flow in any gift at any time that he needs in the body. And this is like a foreign doctrine nowadays in the assemblies of God. You can't do all that when you got your wristband dinging and everybody's bouncing around with air cannons. And he said, hey, by the way, all Elijah did was say, God, don't let it rain. And it didn't rain. We make prayer so difficult. Go back to 15. 16, I'm sorry. Confess your faults. Get ready. We're right in the middle of healings and powerful prayer. And he inserts, if you're really praying, you have a love for one another. John 15, right in the middle of the vine and the branch, he says, you have to have love for one another. I cannot love you the way I need to love you until I've been alone with Jesus and I see and feel for you. Because when I'm praying, the Lord's talking to me about things like, well, remember how they were raised. Remember that everybody hasn't been in church, Jonathan. Remember that how much I love them. And you say, well, right in the middle of that, if we're going to love each other, that's why I'm telling you, that's why there's not miracles like there used to be even here. Because you have to have compassion on people for them to be healed. You have to understand. Listen, and I understand that we've gone through infertility and we help a lot of people because we've been there and done that for five, almost six years now. I get it. That's not what I'm talking about. That is part. But if you've been with Jesus, you don't have to have gone through it to have the compassion. 
Jude 1.23, and of some have compassion, making a difference. You cannot get compassion. Listen, com- compassion will keep your mouth shut. How can the world, can you have compassion and love for somebody and talk about them? But if you're not praying, it's easy because it's human. But boy, when you start praying, all of a sudden you begin to understand there's a second side to the story. And there's, you ever been there? And all of a sudden somebody comes up to you that's a brother and sisters and, and says, this is what we need. And they say, hey, I'm struggling. I'm really struggling in my walk. And because you've been praying with the Lord, you say, we're going to pray and God's going to heal that. See, we focus on that, that healing of A.A. Allen and that's great. But man, when God sets somebody free from a bonding sin, that's a healing. We'll never see that. We'll never get to that if our personal prayer life doesn't change. So what I asked the Lord to do in me, and you can do it whatever way you want to, I said, I want you to show me in my schedule how to clear up time for you. And I'm not going to come in there and just talk. I'm going to sit and I'm going to listen to you. I want you to tell me who's hurting. I want you to tell me who's in need. I want to sit with you. I I want to know how you think about evangel. To the angel of the church of Laodicea, to the angel of the church of Smyrna, Thyatira, I've got a word for the church how I think. He's got Jesus is thinking about evangel. He's got a plan. And I've spent so much of my energy and time trying to make my vision fit his. Never works. It's never worked. And so now I just want to sit. I just want to sit with you, Lord. I just want you to Be close to me. I I told my dad today, when I first got rededicated to the Lord, I'm ashamed to say I'm not there like I used to be. But I was so close to the Lord. And I'm not saying this with any kind of bragging because I'm not there. But I woke up one day as I was going to college and the Lord spoke to me and said, don't go, Your, your teacher's called off class. And I went back to sleep. Well, when I went to the next class that was meeting, that was a Tuesday. It met on Tuesday and Thursday. When on Thursday, the professor walked in and said, sorry, I'm sick, guys. Sorry, I had to cancel class. Even in the little things, I can hear his voice. I was telling dad that, and I was like, I want to get back to that. Sometimes I think our lukewarmness is, yeah, I can discern things. I've asked God my whole life for discernment. You can't be in minister in a church and not have discernment. And I don't mean reading people's mail as in what they did yesterday. I mean discernment what the Spirit wants to do. I have to discern how the Spirit wants to move. And man, sometimes I've missed it. I had to tell the Lord, I've missed you. He wanted to do more, and all I thought about was my day tomorrow and getting out of here. True confession right there. I know none of y'all have ever done that. I know none of y'all are thinking about food right now. He wants us close. He wants us close. He wants us back to prayer. He he wants you to weep over Mount Olive. Listen to me. I'm going to say, I really am saying this last thing. And I'm going to pray. There are people here tonight. If you don't listen to me, I felt it all night and didn't know when I was going to say it. You're going to go to hell. You listen to me carefully, and I'm serious. Your soul is serious. If you keep playing church and playing games, and you keep acting the part, you're going to go to hell. You're going to get away from the vine so much that you wither and die. And you know what Jesus said he does? He cast it into the fire. I didn't say that. 
If I'm not connected to the vine and I don't become a branch that reaches out and I don't have a one-on-one relationship with him, then he said it. I didn't say it. You're not going to make it. If you go a week and weeks at a time and you don't talk to him and you don't want to be close to him, there's a problem. The time to fix the problem is now. All you got to do is say, Lord, help me pray. And I promise you, you'll find him. Sometimes all he wants you to do is take your cell phone and put it in your pocket and turn your radio off and just sit there with him. You'll be blown away what he says to you. You know why he talks to me so many times at 2 and 3 in the morning? Just like the whole Samuel, Eli thing? Because it's the only time he can get my attention. Telling the truth. I stay so busy with the good things, I miss the best things. And like I said, I know none of y'all do that. Just need y'all to pray for me. I don't want to do that anymore. The NBA season's in right now. And man, I noticed something. My desire for NBA has gone away. I didn't even have to pray about it because when you get with him, it doesn't matter. Some of you are like, well, who watches the NBA anyway? I don't care about that. You have something. You know, we have a whole generation that went today and watched a car do circles. I, I always wonder how God thinks about that. Not, not the hope they went, but like you watched cars doing circles. They literally did a circle. And you got guys, let's keep going. You got guys today that are so excited for September because 12 guys, 11 guys they don't even know are going to strap up and play something that at the end of the day it doesn't matter. You know why? Because we need entertainment. Because we're missing something. Now listen. I want you to hear me clear. I am not into legalism. I have convictions that me and Bethany both have together that we don't do as a family. I would never in a million years try to push that on you. Because if that's the case, you become a Pharisee. You know where you get your convictions from? You get them through prayer. I'll never forget the first time I got saved. I started preaching every Wednesday night in a pair of shorts and flip-flops and a t-shirt. And God used me. And see, there's some people that are like, oh, that was blasphemy. I cannot believe it. Well, you wouldn't like the John the Baptist either because he broke the dress code in a lot of ways to what they were used to. Wasn't all fancy. And I believe you should have your best. Don't, please don't get me wrong. But I walked off the stage, and the Lord spoke to me and said, I don't want you to teach in shorts anymore. And I said, okay. The, the church of God and the assemblies of God didn't have to tell me, don't wear shorts. He didn't even tell me not to wear shorts. He told me, don't do it when you're bringing forth the word. That's all he said. I've never understood the whole, you can't wear shorts things. Women could wear dresses that came down to their knees, but I can't wear gym shorts that come down to my knees. That's insanity. That's what happens when people say they take convictions that people had before and they push them onto other people. I'm not doing that tonight. And I wish we had more holiness. You better understand me. And I wish we had more of a standard. And like I said, you don't even know where me and Bethany don't go and what we don't do. There's a price to carry the anointing. We don't do everything. If it's junk, we don't have it on our TV. We don't want junk in our house. Amen? Amen. But I'm not telling you what to watch or where to go. And I'm not telling you that football games or NASCAR, I'm not telling you all that can't be enjoyed. It's a balance. It's everything in moderation. If you and Jesus are right, you can go to a football game. You can watch the football game. It doesn't move you in any way, shape, or form because your heart's his. Amen. I'm not trying to be legalistic. I don't need you just sitting in your house Every day and just sitting there praying all the time. And, you know, you might as well be one of those people in India and just start beating yourself to make penance. That's not what this thing is about. Galatians is written. We have a freedom when we begin to pray that is a freedom and a liberty. Amen. So I'm not trying to push you like, listen, 
Get your convictions through prayer. He'll speak to you. If you're not holy, he will tell you you're breaking the Bible and you got to be holy. You can't dress anyway. You can't talk anyway. Amen. He gets on to me sometimes about things I say to the guys that I don't say in front of the girls. Because, you know, some mixed company, you don't say certain things. But you can talk about certain things to the guys. Well, the Lord asked me, what's the difference? He hears it both. I was like, okay. That's... See, he don't condemn. He changes. So, okay, Lord, this starting now, we're going to try to. Y'all acting like none of y'all do that. <laughs> Everybody stand. You know how you know that somebody's praying? Because they're getting convictions. They don't even talk about him. You can see it. Without holiness, no man will see the Lord. And all that means is a set-apartness. Right? I mean, there's a whole denominations that they won't let their women wear anything but denim dresses. They can't put makeup on, bob their hair. But the men can wear Rolexes and necklaces and chains. And I thought, that's how you know that's man-made. The man can do whatever he wants to do. But the women now... If they're really going to see God, they got to have the denim. And listen, I know people that have that and they have power with God. Listen to what I'm saying. Please get what I'm trying to say. I feel like I'm doing a terrible job. I'm not one of these guys that's throwing out the baby with the bathwater. I believe you're holy when you get around Jesus. But nobody has to push it on you. Right? I wonder what's going to happen. Just hold on. Because I didn't say this earlier and I wanted to. But the Lord keeps prompting me. I wonder what he's going to say when we don't support missionaries or support the church. But we can go pay $15 for a movie ticket and not even think about it. Man, that sounds like legalism. No, 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 no. That sounds like you better get back to prayer. Because when you pray, he'll talk to you about your money. Is anything going wrong with the movies? Not if it's clean. Good luck with that. See, I'm not getting in a game of this or this because he made it clear. If you're guilty of one, you're guilty of it all. He said it today. You, oh, I don't go to movies. Well, but you lust after people. Same thing. Here's another one. You have hate in your heart. You're a murderer. So we don't get into all that. If you'll get back with the Lord, he will show you how to walk, how to conduct yourself. How many times if we would have prayed, God spoke to us through a word and we totally missed it because we hadn't done what it took to get the word that, that Sunday? I've been there. You know, you go to God in prayer the next week and say, why didn't you do anything? And all of a sudden, he starts reminding you all the things the preacher said. He's like, I tried to tell you. This morning, could you not feel the Holy Spirit? Every song was about the blood of Jesus. There was people here that were condemned or they might have failed. God was trying to sing to them and get them responded saying, Hey, the blood of Jesus will reach the lowest valley, but it will keep you on the top of the mountain. It's the blood. He shed it for you. He's not just going to save you and throw you away. He longs to be with us. Oh, I wish you could feel what I feel. I told God I don't want to ever be a preacher again, Lord. I want to be somebody that knows you. I can care less about delivering something, God, if I haven't been with you. What does it matter? I'm terrified sometimes at night, laying in bed, thinking about people that go to this church and they hear the word, but they're not going to make it. It bothers me so bad sometimes. And the answer is prayer. The answer to our services is every person being open and saying like Samuel, God speak to me. And he might say, hey, in the middle of worship, I want you to go lay hands on Brother Hank. And you have no idea what he's going through. And it, it's just a spark. But if we're not with him, We won't have fruit. 
I, I want us to do something. It's seven o'clock on the dot. I want us just to take a second wherever they sing. And I want us to ask the Lord to talk to us about you and him. I want you to take an inventory, the Holy Spirit, about what you can move in your life. Listen, I'm not saying that we're not busy. I'm telling you, I understand. I keep my Google Calendar on the second page of my phone so I can flip over and keep my calendar going and where I'm supposed to be and who I'm supposed to do this with and when team challenges and all. I, I get it. I get it. But there's a time where the Lord wants you. He just wants you. He doesn't even want worship. He wants you. And I know he, there's times to worship and song, but sometimes he just wants it quiet. Where he can just talk to you. 